foyer for our couples retreat coming up. It's only a couple of weeks away. So you want to get signed up for that. We're going to have a nice dinner here, catered dinner on uh, Friday night. Of course, th Thursday night at 7 o'clock starts the, the meetings. And uh, we have meetings on Friday morning and dinner Friday night and meeting Friday night and then uh, continental breakfast on Saturday morning and meetings on Saturday morning, wrapping everything up by 12 o'clock on Saturday. So we want you to be a part of that. Uh, make sure that you get registered. Also, we were uh, doing 40 days of fasting and prayer. And uh, it doesn't mean you have to fast for 40 days, but definitely pray for 40 days, working our way up to the election. But also, our anniversary is coming up in November, and we want to do 40 days of fasting and prayer for our church and for each other. I put together a calendar. I believe you got one of them. And on that, it shows you starting on October the 7th up to November the 15th. Uh, is 40 days of prayer and fasting. So we're asking you to pray, at least pray every day. And then as the Lord would lead you, uh, maybe fast one meal or fast a day or two and uh, pursue the Lord. But what you can do, I put scripture verses on each of the 40 days. And uh, it, what you can do is you, on that day, you look up that passage of scripture and it's, and it's a prayer that's being offered up in the scriptures. And so you read that prayer and you pray in accordance with what that, that prayer is that's being offered up. And uh, for, because it's for sure each one of those prayers, each of us can benefit from it. And certainly God's gonna hear us and respond to us. He worked in many, many people's lives throughout the centuries and certainly recorded for us in the scriptures. And so I wanted to put that together as a guide for you as we do our 40 days of fasting and prayer. Um, and that's my prayer is that it'll be a blessing to you. It'll help you to grow in your walk with the Lord. But uh, even beyond that, it'll open up the gates of heaven and there'll be a, a blessing showered out upon us as we get ready to celebrate 40 years of ministry uh, here at uh, Ocean County. Chapter 2 of Micah, uh, let's read that chapter. It says, Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. Uh, when the morning is light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. And they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man in his house, even a man and his heritage. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, against this fa uh, family do I devise an evil, from which ye shall not remove your necks, neither shall ye go uh, haltily, for this time is evil. In that day shall one take up a parable against you and lament, uh, lament uh, with a doleful lamentation and say, uh, We be utterly spoiled. He hath cha changed the portion of my people. How hath he removed it from me? Turning away, he hath divided our fields. Therefore, thou shalt have none that uh, shall cast a cord by a uh, lot in the congregation of the Lord. Prophesy ye not. Uh, say they, uh, they to them that prophesy. They shall not prophesy to them. Uh, they shall take shame. I'm sorry, they shall not take shame. O thou that art named the house of Jacob, 
is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not his words do good to him that walketh uprightly? Even of late my people is risen up as an enemy. Ye puff up the robe with the garment from them that pass by securely as men adverse from war. The women of my people have ye cast out from their pleasant houses, from their children. Have ye taken away my glory forever? Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest. Because it is polluted, it shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink, he shall even be the prophet of this people. I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee, I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as a sheep of Bozrah, as a flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker is come up before them. Uh, they have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it, and their king shall pass before them, and the Lord uh, on the head of them. What a great chapter here. Uh, this chapter really is a continuation of chapter one. Uh, of course, we know as the scriptures were written, they were just written as ongoing letters. And it was man who would put down and, and divide up the chapters and the verses so it would be easier to memorize scripture and find places in the Bible. And so chapter one is just a message that was brought by Micah that continues on in the chapter 2. And this chapter is recording the sin that will ruin the nation. And uh, it's a terrible thing that the children of Israel had to have prophets to come and preach to them and warn them of the wrath and the judgment of God coming against them because of their iniquities. Uh, it is for sure that God is serious about his people. And I think sometimes we're not as serious about things as God would want us to be serious about these things. Uh, God is serious about people being saved. God is serious about those that are lost going to hell. Uh, God is serious about his people Israel. And certainly in this book of Micah, uh, we see that God is expressing uh, the severity of his people's judgment they're going to experience because of turning their back on their God. He is totally honest uh, in regards to the blessings and of the curses that are brought upon God's people. Consequently, Micah continues to warn Israel to turn from their wicked ways. I like what J. Vernon McGee said about this chapter. He said, it is not the method of government, but the character of the men who govern that makes a nation great. And uh, sometimes I think we, we have a false assurance in America that we are a great country because of the government. No, men who rule and reign and lead make us a great country. And certainly as believers in Christ, what makes the church wonderful and a blessing is the person of Jesus Christ who rules and reigns 
over the church. And so Mike is really impressing upon them the necessity of them to be aware of why God's chastisement is coming upon them. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And what a blessing it is to be able to know that God cares for his people in such a deep way. So first of all, we want to look at verses 1 through 5. And consider they had refused the holiness of God. And uh, it, I think if there is a uh, spirit of condemnation that comes upon people, I think that is uh, the fact that they have despised and have refused the holiness of God. We have, in the days in which we live, have tried to make God into our own mindset of what we think is holy and right. Uh, the people of Israel, as Micah is writing to them, is warning them that they had to completely refuse the holiness of their God, and God had a controversy with them because of that. And be assured of this, Romans 1 is very prevalent in the days in which we live. When they knew God, uh, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. And then it says, so God gave them up to a reprobate mind. And Israel had over and over again turned their back on their God, and they, they rejected and refused the holiness of God. And now Micah is coming onto the scene to warn them of the chastening hand of God coming upon them. Notice, first of all, he identifies in, in your notes there that the wicked plot their deeds. It says, woe to them that devise iniquity. And so devising something is plotting something, planning out their iniquity, planning out the wrong that they are going to do. So it's a night of planning. He says they work evil upon their beds. And so it's something that's on their mind. It's something that's on their hearts. It's a way of living, a way of uh, oppressing people uh, that is plotted and planned out because of the fact of their wicked ways. I put down some Bible verses here for us. I'll look at a few of these. In Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 14 uh, tells us about the ways of the wicked. Proverbs 6, 14 says, Forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. Uh, he soweth discord. And I was, when I was going over this message and finalizing some thoughts, I just, my mind was just flooded with all that is going on in our world with leaders, uh, in our country with leaders, uh, the plotting, uh, the planning that is going on. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 8 says, He that devises to do evil shall be called a mischievous person. And you, you look at what's going on and the politicians and everything, and you say, well, how in the world can we trust someone like that as we just see the, the planning of how just to get more power and how to oppress the people in order to take possessions for themselves. It, it's always amazing to me how much money people spend to get in the Congress or in the Senate or in the presidency, how much money it takes to do that and, uh, and not think of the fact that when they come out of those places, many of them go in, they have no money at all, they just make it and get in there, and then when they all retire or whatever, they're voted out, they all walk away millionaires. 
the plotting and the planning and the mischievousness that is going on uh, in the life of Israel at this time, uh, Micah is warning them God's going to judge this type of wicked plotting and planning, and God will not bless us as a nation and as a people with that type of leadership. We need leaders that are honest and transparent. They are godly leaders, and it's just amazing and alarming just how quickly, uh, even with the Supreme Court nominee going on, they haven't even started questioning or anything, and already she's being attacked for her faith that she has. Uh, you know, already plotting and planning how to manipulate things to stop uh, the president from doing what his constitutional right is. And uh, it's just, it's an alarming thing. It just, it, it's like it never stops. But it's going to stop because Mike is warning that God's going to bring judgment on the wicked. So it's a night of planning. It's a day of practicing in verse 1 says, and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it. In other words, they don't plot and plan to ignore the plan. And a lot of times people say, well, if they get elected, they'll be okay. No, whatever they plotted and planned, when they get elected, they're going to work it out. Uh, they're going to put it into action. And so that's why it's so important for us to know the issues and know what the biblical worldview is and, and take an opportunity to vote uh, when we have that opportunity to put people that are of a honest report, a per people that are uh, willing to do something that is good and right and just for the people and not to just build up their own coffers. And so the wicked plot in their deeds. It's a night of planning. It's a day of practicing. Notice in verse 2, the wicked propagate their land. In verse 2 says, they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. You know, it's just and this whole thing with COVID-19 has been so aggravating uh, because of uh, different governors and people in leadership just taking power upon themselves to tell somebody they can't work, tell somebody they can't have their property. Oh, you don't know what I say? I'm going to take your business license away from you. That's exactly what verse 2 is talking about. And uh, men th and think they can continue to live like that and oppress people. But let me tell you, there is a God in heaven who's watching what is going on and he'll take care of it. Over in 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 16, is a great illustration of exactly what Micah is prophesying against. In 1 Kings chapter uh, 21, in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard and was in Jezreel, Hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. In other words, his vineyard was right up against or right in, uh, alongside of the palace where Ahab, the king of Samaria, was. And it says in verse 2, And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, 
The Lord forbid, uh, the Lord forbid me, it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. He said, no, this is my land. It was my father's land. And why would I give my land that I've inherited from my father to you? And then in verse 4 it says, And Ahab came unto the house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my father's. And he laid down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. He's pouting. I didn't get what I wanted. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad? Thou eatest no bread. And she, he, said, he said unto her, Because I spake to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and he said unto me, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, and I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou not govern the kingdom of Israel? She said, wait a minute, who's in charge here? Who's the boss here? Who has the power here? Arise and eat bread and let thy heart be merry and I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So his wife had to take care of business for him. So she wrote letters to Ahab's, in Ahab's name and sealed them with a seal and sent the letters to his elders and to the nobles that were in the city dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote the letter saying, Proclaim a fast, fast and set Naboth on the high among the people and set two men, sons of Belial, uh, before him to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. That is taking power and using it unjustly. That is taking power to be able to gain what you covet. And the men of the city, even the elders of the nobles, whom were the inhabitants in the city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them. And as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him, and the men of Belial witnessed against him even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned, is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession. You can have it now, honey. Take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Wicked people propagate their land. They take what is not theirs. 
They take it by force. They do whatever it is that is necessary. They don't care whose lives they ruin in the process. And so here is oh, um, Ahab wanting this field of uh, the vineyard of Naboth and his wife gets it for him. Wicked propagate their land. Why? Number one in your notes, they desire what is not theirs. They desire what is not theirs. You read, you read uh, stories over the years. I've read stories of farmers out in the Midwest, and all of a sudden there's some stupid little rodent out in the field, and uh, somebody comes along and proclaims it an endangered species, and so now you cannot even farm your farmland and want to take your farmland. You're a wicked person. You're a wicked person. Get off the man's land. We, we live in a day and time where government has justified unjust actions against people to be able to increase what they have. Oh, well, uh, this whole thing of, uh, what is it called, uh, Something domain, I forget what it is. Uh, eminent, eminent domain. Uh, that's a lie out of the pits of hell. That's the greed of wicked people that take somebody's property. I remember years ago, they were putting in this traffic light out here on the Intermediate West and on Old Friel Road. And we got a letter from the township that they were going to cut into our corner of our property. Of course, they didn't take a lot of property but they were going to cut into the corner of the property so as to make that extra lane there to be able to have that traffic light there. And they said in the letter, this is what we're offering you for the land. Uh, you can t get, take the offering that we're offering you for the land or we'll just take it and give you nothing. Thought, well, yeah, why don't you line up with Jezebel? Why don't you, why don't you line up with Nahab? Uh, why don't you line up with the wicked kings of Israel when Micah was prophesying because you're taking what is not yours and you have no right to take what's not yours. They desire what is not theirs. They propagate the land in that they dismantle God's perfect plan. God has a perfect plan for Israel. God has a perfect plan for each and every person's life. But the wicked dismantle what God's plan is. What is going on in our, our public schools, what's going on in our public colleges, what's going on politically in our world is because man has refused to live according to God's guidelines to fulfill God's plan for man. And as a result of it, everything is corrupt and out of control. God gave the land to the nation of Israel. And uh, he, he didn't give it to the wicked uh, kings of the land. Matter of fact, when God told Joshua to go into the promised land, go into the Canaan land, he said, I'm going to drive all the uh, uh, people in front of you out because all the land is yours. And God had a plan. God had a plan that was a perfect plan. And that was for Israel to go in and possess the land. He gave the land to Israel. And even today in 2020, they can argue all they want over the land in the Middle East, but it's Israel's land. The land, as you read through the Old Testament, was divided between the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. 
God's plan was they were to inherit the land that he promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. The individual, the individual received his portion of that land that God passed as a heritage or an inheritance to the people of Israel. Each individual had their part of the land. And it was the year of jubilee that God established. The year of jubilee was to ensure that the land would not be lost forever. Because someone got into trouble, they, got, uh, they would sell themselves many times in, as slaves and uh, try to secure the income that was necessary and they would lose the land. Someone else would possess the land. However, when the year of jubilee came around, that land was to be given back to the person who lost it. Over in Leviticus chapter 25, in verse 23, tells the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. That's God speaking. He said, land's mine. You might have to sell it because you get in financial trouble or whatever, but it's not to be sold forever because it's my land. For ye are strangers and sojourners with me. And then down in verse 28, he says this, But if you be not able to restore it to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that hath bought it until the year of jubilee. And in the jubilee it shall go out, and he shall return unto his possession. See, God had a plan. And his plan was to have a land in which his people would dwell. And that land was secured in a way that it would never be lost because it was God's land. It was God's possession. And Israel was God's people. But when you read in Micah, Micah is prophesying against those leaders in government because of the fact that they had ignored God's plan because of the fact they had their own plan of what they wanted to accomplish and what they wanted to gain. Matthew Henry said this, and I thought it was a good statement in reference to this passage here. He says, They care not to whom they do wrong, nor how far the iniquity extends which they devise. They oppress a man and his house. They rob and ruin those that have numerous families to maintain. And are not concerned, though they send them and their wives and children a begging. Not concerned about it. This whole, whole thing, I, I see no concern from people in leadership about businesses opening up and functioning again. I see no concern. I don't hear nothing from the politicians that says, well, I really feel bad because they're losing money. Uh, oh, I really feel bad that their, their business was burned down. They got insurance. I'm telling you, we are living in real time in 2020, the prophecy of Micah chapter 2. We don't want to acknowledge it because we're if we try to feel good about ourselves. We don't want to acknowledge it because we're afraid of what someone may say in reference to us exposing this. The reality is the wicked are punished by God. 
in verse 3 and 4, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, against this family do I devise an evil from which he shall not remove your necks, neither shall ye go uh, uh, haughtily, for the time is evil. In that day shall one take up a parable against you and lament with a doleful lamentation and say, We be utterly spoiled. He hath changed the portion of my people. How hath he removed it from me? Turning away, he hath divided our fields. He's just say, simply saying this. The wicked may devise their plans and they may go against my plan and purpose for my people in robbing and stealing and looting and causing people to be put out of their homes. But wait a minute, there is a day coming when I, when I will gain the spoils back for my people. Not only are the wicked punished by God, but in verse 5, the wicked are removed from praise to their God. In verse 5, Therefore thou shalt have none that shall cast a cord by lot in the congregation of the Lord. In other words, they're not going to be a part of the worship and praise of God. And that's why the government needs to stay out of the worship and praise of the church. Because the worship and praise of the church is believers talking to their God and trusting their God and exalting their God. God is still on the throne. He knows what's going on. And Micah is trying to encourage the children of Israel. The day of reckoning is coming. And the day of reckoning is coming very quickly, but you need to be reminded that God wants you to be holy. He wants you not to refuse his holiness. He wants you to live in light of who he is. So they refuse the holiness of God. Secondly, in verse 6 through 11, we see they rejected the holy word of God. Notice in uh, verse 6, they despised the preacher. It says, prophesy ye not, say they to them that prophesy. So in other words, the preacher, the prophet is prophesying. And as he's prophesying, they say, don't prophesy. They say, don't preach. Uh, don't preach that way. Certainly don't preach on sin. Don't preach on God's judgment and God's wrath. Uh, don't, don't reveal prophecy that God's wrath is about to fall on us. Stop saying those things. So they despise the preacher. They say, oh, I'm sorry, they shall not prophesy to them that they shall not take shame. And so they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be ashamed. Uh, they, didn't, they do not want to hear what God has to say, so they try to shut the preacher up. In uh, Hosea chapter 10, let me tell you, that is happening all across America. Uh, I, I look and I try to track different things that are going on in different churches and different lawsuits that are going on and everything else in reference to just shutting the preachers up, closing down the churches. Uh, Hosea chapter 9 in verse 17 says, my God will cast them away because they did not hearken unto him. And they shall be wanderers among the nations. Israel was scattered around the world. Why? Because they would not listen to God. And because they would not listen to the God, they would not listen to God through the prophet of God. Uh, God said he would scatter them. 
In Amos chapter 8 and verse 11, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of God. Now, I see that so much. I mean, people are more interested in being entertained, partying, carrying on, dancing around and fooling around than they are studying and, and, and applying the word of God to their life. What is it? It's a famine. It's a famine in our land. And it's a famine in reference to the word of God, a desire for the word of God, a hearing the word of God. Why? Because they rejected the word of God. Not only did they despise the preacher, but they disregarded the message. In our chapter, chapter 2 of Micah, in verse 7, it says, And thou that art named the house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord straightened. Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? See, they disregarded the message. They despised the preacher, the one who was revealing it. And they always get mad at the person who has the message to share. But not only that, they'll disregard. Uh, James 4.17 still says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It still says that. And you can read through these different passages. 1 Samuel 15 says, Rebellion is worse than the sin of witchcraft. I mean, you think of the level of, of uh, expectation that God puts on the believer in matters of obeying what he says. So they despised the preacher. They disregarded the message. They defeated the people. In verse 8, it says, Even of late my people is risen up as an enemy. It's, it's shocking to see what is going on of how many young people in America despise America. It is shocking that we have people that will literally riot and loot and hurt people, shoot people, beat people up and everything else because they despise what America is. And yet they're living high on the hog. Defeated people. That's a defeated people. What I see is a defeated people. He goes on to say in verse 8, Even of late my people is risen up as an enemy. You pull off the robe with the garment from them that pass by securely as men adverse from war. The women of my people have ye cast out of their pleasant houses from their children. Have ye taken away my glory forever? The people were defeated because they had a disregard for the message of God because they despised the preacher. And it ruined them. Notice the defeated people, the poor. The poor. He speaks of those whose robe with a garment is pulled off. The poor. Uh, you know, we're supposed to take care of the fatherless and the widows. That's what James tells us. We're to take care of people that are in need. And so we read of the poor. We read of the widows. First Timothy chapter 5, you have the scripture verses in your lesson. First Timothy chapter 5, Paul deals with how to care for the widows in the church. 
how to provide. James tells us how we're to provide for the poor. And then the children, you know, he says their children are taken from their children. Have you taken away my glory forever when Jesus said, suffer the children to come unto me? Because of COVID-19, we've, we've, we've shut down children's ministries and we've, people have shut down their spirit as far as bringing their children to church. We have allowed an enemy to defeat us because of them despising the holiness of God, disregarding the word of God, and it is creating poverty and dysfunctionality in the homes and a disconnection with God. The outcome's not going to be good. And that's why we need to pray for 40 days and fast for God to bring a spirit of revival so we can overcome our fears and start worshiping God again and serving the Lord the way we need to. You say, you're crazy, preacher. I know I am. Verse 10 and 11. They declared their own message. I want you to see the progression through this chapter. Despise the preacher, disregard the message, defeat the people, then you create your own message. Paul tells us that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that in the last days, and I'll just paraphrase it, he said that uh, men will desire to have teachers with itching ears, and they'll develop their own message. They'll say whatever it is that they feel the people want. That's what he says in verse 10, Arise ye and depart, for there is not your this is not your rest. That's a good phrase to remember. This is not our rest. This is not our home. Amen. We're just simply passing through. This is not your rest because it is polluted. That's why we're not of the world, because the world is polluted. It shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink, he shall even be the prophet of this people. He's saying he's developed his own message, and his own message is based on the fact that they would try to solve their problems without God. And we are living in a day and era that we are consumed with, we do not need God. We don't need God in our homes. We don't need God in our schools. We don't need God in our businesses. We certainly don't need God in our politicians. And anybody who claims to be surrendered to God, we will destroy them because we all take care of ourselves. It's going real good for us, isn't it? Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We'll never get it right. We'll never get it right when we try to solve the problems we have to deal with apart from God. There has got to be a revival that brings a spirit of humbleness and submission to the authority of God that reestablishes what our homes are to be so that our cities and our communities can be what they're supposed to be according to God's plan. You can't develop your own message. 
So they tried to solve their own problems without God. They tried to have teachers to satisfy their own desires. It, I have been preaching for years about the problems with the curriculum in the public schools in reference to indoctrinating our children. And I'm telling you, it is so far out of control. The problem that we have right now is because we have developed our own message on what society should be. And so we have a whole generation of young people that have absolutely no idea of history and they have absolutely no idea of what is the proper way to relate to one another. And it's because they have been indoctrinated through our educational system. I've been saved for almost 40 years, I guess been preaching for 35 years and I've been preaching on this stuff for 35 years and it's not getting any better it's not getting any easier and I've, I've screamed from the pulpits that the parents need to go into the school boards and into the school classrooms and demand that your children are not taught these things and uh, to no avail because look where we are so despise the preacher, disregard the message, defeat the people, declare their own message. Hey, satisfy us. Say what we want to hear. So the uh, last thought is this in verse 12 and 13. There's a remnant to be honored by God. Uh, they refused the holiness of God. They rejected the word of God. But there's a remnant to be honored by God. God still knows the remnant. He still knows who love him and who serve him. Notice in verse 12, the regathering of Israel. It says, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Bozrah, as a flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. All this message and all this prophesying of Micah chapter 1 and chapter 2 would be so devastating and so discouraging if it wasn't for God reminding them, wait a minute, there's a remnant that I'm going to secure. There's a people I'm going to assemble and draw together. And folks, when you think of the days in which we live and you think about all these things that are going on I'll tell you the thing that gives us hope is that God's going to capture us up into heaven. Amen. And he's going to, I'm sitting, I, you say, well, wait a minute. It's going to be the rapture. I know, but we're going to be captured of the Lord. Amen. I did that deliberately. You see if you're paying attention. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be called up into heaven. And the regathering of Israel assures us of God gathering us up into heaven. Then the Redeemer of Israel, in verse 13, says, The breaker is come up before them. Uh, they have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it, and their king shall pass uh, before uh, them and the Lord on the head of them. And so the Redeemer of Israel, the prophesying is, there's going to be a regathering because the Redeemer of Israel come. That's the Messiah. I like what Matthew Henry said on this subject. He quotes uh, Dr. Uh, Pocock, and I didn't know who he was, was, so I looked him up on the internet. He was a th theologian back in the 1600s, 
And he mentions this. Uh, he says, as the sense which some of the ancient Jews gave, gave of it, that the breaker is Elias and their king, the Messiah, the son of David. And he thinks we may apply it to Christ and his forerunner, John the Baptist. John was the breaker. He broke the ice, prepared the way of the Lord by the baptism of repentance. In him the gospel began. From his time the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And so the Christian church is introduced with Messiah the prince before it. On the head of it going forth conquering and to conquer. I read that I said hallelujah. I had a hallelujah fit in my office. I did. I got excited. I was like amen. The breaker has come. <laughs> amen. And the way is made clear. And there's repentance unto the Lord, the only begotten Son of God who came into this world to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins to defeat the enemy. And He is. we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I mean, this is a great chapter. I love it. I could preach for another hour, but you'll get mad at me, amen? But I'll tell you, read through, Micah. Look up some of the verses we didn't look up at. But the great message of chapter 1 and chapter 2 is that the corruption that is in the world will not continue because God will bring his wrath and his judgment on it. But for the believer, for the remnant, realize this, there is a place in heaven for us and God's going to take us there. So that's a great, great chapter. All right, well, we need to pray. I didn't get a prayer sheet here. I'll jot a few things down. Is there anything that we need to pray about other than on the prayer sheet? And we certainly want you to continue to pray for uh, the uh, speaker family. Pastor Speaker went home to be with the Lord on Friday last week. Uh, memorial service will be here uh, on Saturday, uh, October the 10th at 2.30 in the afternoon. And then there'll be a repass over at Faith Baptist Church uh, after the service. So just to let you know that uh, seating is limited because of the fact of COVID-19 restrictions. We're not going to adhere completely to that. Yes, we are. We're on live stream. <laughs> so, amen. But uh, we'll be praying for Mrs. Speaker, for the kids, Kim and Jeremy, and uh, for God's blessing on that service. Brother Speaker was a faithful man. He loved the Lord. He was a good friend to me. And uh, certainly there's been many, many people been saved uh, through his life and through his ministry. So... Thank the Lord for him and pray for the family. Anything else we need to pray about? Anything that's not on the list and you need it on there? We're doing good, amen. Tom, yes, Tom. Yeah. Right. Yep. Amen. You got to know when to stand and how to stand. And it, it is a constitutional issue. And uh, so we're going to stand on the Constitution. We're going to stand on the Word of God. Amen. All right. Anything else we need to add? 
need to pray about that situation. Amen. God is good to us, so let's pray. We have our couples retreat. Please, please start praying for the anniversary of the church. we got special music. We're having a dinner on Saturday night. We're going to want you to sign up and be a part of that. It's going to be an exciting time as we celebrate 40 years of ministry here in Tom's River. God bless you.